Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Missing the Point. I'm DK Sizzle, and I am so excited to talk about the Boston Celtics. I have been thinking about the Boston Celtics. I've been going to bed and hoping to dream about the Boston Celtics. I have been waking up in the morning. My first thought is the Boston Celtics. I've been brushing my teeth with green toothpaste. I'm ready to go um, for obvious reasons. For obvious yeah. reasons, we've had an amazing series unfold uh, right before our eyes so far. I'm here with just the one and only real BK Bob Kelly. It's just the two of us uh, today to talk. All things seized. That's all this show is going to be about. So if you came here to listen to the Bruins, we're getting their asses handed. Listen to something about the Bruins, we're getting their asses handed to them by the Hurricanes right now, three nothing. Uh, we're not talking about that because this is all happy and positive land. Uh, if you're here to listen to talk about the Patriots, we're not talking about that because neither Bobby and I are Patriots fans. <laughs> this is Celtics, Celtics, Celtics. So I'm going to start it off hitting it right over to you, BK. Uh, what's going on, dude? How about that fucking game? Huh? Like right. that was that was taxing. It was emotionally mentally and physically taxing i feel like all of us as celtics fans were in milwaukee that night living every single possession uh uh you know dribbling every ball shooting every shot right alongside them every time the ball left somebody's hands to go towards the rim for the seas I, I was an emotional wreck i was in a glass case of emotion can you relate yeah bro so i i said this to you guys i smoked the first cigarette that i have smoked in 15 months during that fucking game, okay? Yeah. Like, since we first, I quit when, I, when we first started the show, I had to smoke one. I, I, I bummed one off my neighbor because I was like, bro, I can't deal with the stress of this game. Right. It was it was unbelievable, man. From I was also from, smoking, but uh, I have no accolades to, <laughs> that got ruined. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my streak got ruined by my own lack of fucking discipline and willpower. <laughs> I can't blame the Celtics, so you got that up on me. Yeah, bro, it was... It, it was honestly the most rewarding but stressful game that I think I've watched for this group of Celtics. You know what I mean? Like, we've been through a lot with this core. Like, yeah. the Tatum, the Brown, the yeah, Smart. shockingly, for like a while now. Yeah, man. And for them to show us the old Celtics again at the beginning of that first quarter. They sure did. And, and then rebound to what we saw in the fourth quarter, which we'll get to, is just, it was so rewarding to see just the dog come out in all of them. It wasn't just Tatum, wasn't just Brown, wasn't just big fucking playoff Al. It was, it was, <laughs> we'll it was, talk about that. <laughs> it was the whole team, man, top to bottom. They just looked like dogs in that fourth quarter. They looked like a team that knew that they were playing like shit and were like, listen, guys, this is fucking it. This is it. And they felt it, and, and they executed perfectly. Emmy's yep. a great coach. It was just like down the line, man. I, yeah, 
I'm so happy. I'll tell you, you know, uh, just as a quick plug, this week on the 617, we're releasing a show called Championship DNA. It used to be called something else when it was over here on MTP, but we're releasing a show where we basically recap the 2008. The theme of the show is we recap old uh, New England championships, but this week, for fitting reasons, we're doing the 2008 uh, Celtics. Go check that out on the 617. The link will be in the show notes. I think it, it coincided perfectly with this mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. to to be released and i know this is right up your alley bobby but i'm here with you now like I, I know that you're always the one trying to get us hyped but i'm always trying to be a little realistic ray's always trying to be a little realistic i'm i'm fucking here like i'm full on like my my eyes are Welcome. rolling into the back of my head because it, it's reminding me not necessarily of specific moments that happened in in 2008 because i feel like the stuff that happened in 2008 is singular it happened with a singular group of guys that played basketball a certain way. And like we talked about this ad nauseum over on the 617. Uh, please do go check that out. It's a great show when you're done here. But it's the feeling of something special happening. It's the, and it, you know, whatever happens, the reason I'm okay saying this now, because you know, I'm freaked out about jinxes like all the fucking time. The reason I'm okay saying this now is that I'm at the point where no matter what happens, I'm proud of them. No matter what happens from this point forward, whether we get our fucking face punched in in Boston again and and we go down or we just win our remaining games and move on, I'm proud of them for the mentality that they've showed. And I'm for the I, if we went out to, if we went out tomorrow, if it was like that's it, you don't get to play any more games. It's over. It's done. Boston goes home. I would be for the first time in a long time optimistic going into the off season. And saying to myself, well, with a couple of additions or a couple of tweaks, I think we have a core that can win a championship. Now, we don't even have to address that right now because it's 2-2 with the defending champions after a sweep of what uh, what was a lot of people's favorites, right? They and were, it's another... They, they, were, they were the Vegas's second favorite ex- uh, yeah, exactly, to go to the finals exactly. at, the, in, at the beginning of the postseason. The, my experience of watching teams win championships has been that the ones that do it Always, and I don't mean that hyperbolically, I mean that literally, always overcome adversity. And this is a season, a postseason, where we're watching them consistently overcome adversity. This Buck series has been borderline hard to watch at times with how difficult it clearly is to be a player on either team inside this series because the Bucks are the number one defense in the playoffs right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like they they came to play the same way that we play. They're doing to us what we just did to the Nets and we're standing up. That's the difference. We're standing up. We're not folding. And I think just to focus specifically on the last game, they, there was a moment. There was a moment where it was like, does this, like you said, it was the, was the old Seth Licks up until I think the end of the third quarter, right? And then they stood up and they were accounted for. You know, they, they everybody stood up and said, I'm going to do it. It's Jalen Brown taking shots that are making me go like, no, 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 not that shot. But it's like, it, but he hits it this time. You know what I mean? It's like, no, fuck that. They're not fucking around. We need an answer right now. So he goes and gets it. It's Jason Tatum having a fucking stinker and then lighting it up in the fourth quarter, you know, and still taking those shots. Not dumb hero ball. Nobody's moving. Everyone's static watching him play type shots. Good looks that he should be taking and he should be making, you know, and he's big, not shining away shots. on the fourth. Exactly. Big man yeah, shots. And grown adult basketball shots. Right, yeah. So I think, you know, that's the theme here. And I think that's the thing that's got me so fucking fired up. You know um, how happy, wait, before we, you know how happy I am to hear you say this? Because, listen, the the special factor 
is it, it's it there. is so it's it. so yeah. It, yeah. it's so clear. It reminds me so much of like the I, I know you're a baseball guy, but like the 2018 or t- was it 20 yeah, the 2018 Red Sox. Red like Sox, you yeah, could just yeah. you could see it. Yeah, man. I mean, I watched that like, postseason, and I know exactly what you're talking about. There's it's, something special about the way these guys yeah, go about their totally. business. You I know, remember they, when uh, I remember a, a very specific line my dad said to me when uh, when Liverpool got the coach that they got. He was like that, and that went on to win a ton of shit for us. And we're like, you know, still on course this season to win a bunch of stuff. And my dad's a very practical guy. You know, he's a very, very straightforward guy. He was like, I don't know, there's a sense of destiny about Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool and, and them being together. There is something like, I mean, I'm not religious, I don't believe in God, but if I did, I would do it through sports. <laughs> you know what I agreed, mean? Like, agreed. That's, that's the thing where I feel the universe tingling around me. And, you know, maybe it's just humans finding patterns and shit. I don't know. But what I do know, is that when you look back on this series, win or lose, it, what they did in that, in that game four was special. It absolutely was special because it's not a game where you're supposed to win by the way things were going. So to get down on a practical level after we just did the man that fell to earth all the way from outer space. I want to check but, that show up. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a really good movie. David Bowie did a movie in the uh, 1970s. Man Who Fell to Earth, it's a good one. Uh, it's a little avant-garde, so you might want to toke a little bit before you put it on, but it's worth the watch. Uh, but I digress. So let's talk, about key, <laughs> let's talk about key players in this series. You guys did a great show last week about, uh, about, about the series when we were down 2-1. And you were talking a lot about Giannis Antetokounmpo specifically, because obviously he's the best player in the series on paper, right? He, uh, a lot like KD was, so there are some parallels. Unfortunately... Giannis is the kind of guy that if you limit his scoring, he can still get, he can still drop dimes on you. If you limit him in his movement, he can st- he'll still get 15 rebounds. You know, he, uh, my friend describes him as uh, the guy they won't let you make in 2K. Like you'll make him make a guy seven feet tall, and you'll want him to be also really fast and dri- be able to really dribble but really they cap well. Cap it at like 2K, 62. Yeah, 2K. I'll be like, no, 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 no. Yeah, nobody's like that. You'll be like, what about Giannis? And I'll be like, well, you can't be Giannis. And yeah, I think, okay, cool. So uh, it's a game of limiting him you know and he definitely went off and destroyed us in game three and i think you know we all sort of accepted that as inevitable what do you think we did right against him uh specifically in the context of switching al onto him for the majority of the game i know graham williams was in foul trouble uh but al getting ran by him downhill but still being able to sort of body him make him tired did you see him at the end of the game his hands were on his knees he was very fast full-on gas and it was because anytime he wanted to come near the rim al beat him up Right. So uh, what do you think we did right? What do you think we can improve going forward? Do you think that strategy is going to work again? What kind of Giannis are we going to see in, in game five and Boston? Yeah, what, what's so scary about Giannis is, like I said, we touched on this last week, is that he can affect the game. And, and like you just said, in so many different ways, it's like even when his shot's not falling, you still like, like, like we've been talking, you still feel like he just dominated you for four quarters. And then you look at the box score and you're like, Holy shit! He shot thirty-two percent from right. the field. Like right. it didn't feel like that. Every play, when right. every right, every possession, he makes something happen. Uh, the big thing to me was a in that second half, we limited a lot of second chance second chance points that he was getting because he was they, he and the Bucks were dominating us on the offensive boards in the first half. The the so second the absence of Rob Williams, I think, played a factor there. Huge, yeah, huge because. You know, like you can do everything to get a body on Giannis, but when he's just the biggest man on the court, there's there's not much you can fucking. Yeah, I mean, do. Daniel Clay like, trying to out rebound Giannis is like watching a child play with his dad in the driveway. Exactly. It's not good. Sad. It's not a good yeah. look. 
And then uh, we'll, we'll go on to talk about the negatives uh, of some of the players. And I've come around to a couple of your opinions, but I hope you've come around to at least one of mine when we talk about the role players we'll later, but continue. But so with Giannis, man, it's so... I, I honestly feel like he's the reason we won that game because I, I don't know. So uh, Bill Simmons did a whole thing about uh, uh, Giannis's likability coming into this series and how like you can't talk to someone and... and then be like, fuck Giannis. I hate Giannis. You'd be like, right. what, what? What? How the fuck do you hate? I think I hate Giannis now, man. And, and I think the Celtics <laughs> do too. Yeah. Um, that, well, that's that, the trick in Boston. The Celtics can and will hate, make like make their fan base make the most likable person in basketball hateable. We did it with Magic Johnson. We could certainly fucking do it with Giannis Antetokounmpo. No problem. <laughs> Bro, and, and him, I, I don't know if he thinks we are those soft Celtics still. I think, I kind of think he did. When he yammed on Horford and and gave him that look, bro, uh, you saw a fire get lit under this team. I think I saw a stat earlier that like since that play, since Giannis got that technical, we outscored them sixty three to forty eight for the rest of the game. So that and was the moment. I, I really do believe that that was the moment because I think that I think that I've seen that moment play out against us yeah. a number of times. You know, 100%. I, I, like specifically, you remember the LeBron. Uh, right in Tatum's face, dagger three from the corner in that, I forget what year it was. I'm not good with years, but in one of the years we, we went to game seven with the Cavs. Yeah, it was. I was at that game. It was yeah. the one where Terry Rozier was like one of 96. From- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And in, in that same playoffs, yeah. uh, Harden also missed like 37 fucking shots to uh, against the Warriors. So it was just like a weird weekend or whatever. But I want to say it was like it was 2017. Anyway. It was it was the year we had Kyrie. Kyrie was out, and Tatum and Brown brought us to uh, brought us to the ECF. I don't think we had Kyrie. Yet. Did we? Doesn't yeah, keep going, keep going. Point yeah, being, keep so these moments, right, where you know that they're going against you. I feel like there's an alternate universe in the multiverse somewhere where Giannis yams that on Al. He looks at Al the way he does, and collectively the team and the fan base go like, "Ah, fuck." But for some reason, and I'm not sure what that reason is, maybe it's because it was Al Horford and his specific reaction. But for some reason, when that happened, I feel like they just got pissed off. Yeah, You know, yeah. they just got pissed off and it, and it lit some sort of fire underneath them. The, the, I mean, we've talked at length about the mentality switch. But yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like that was the, you know, in retrospect, especially that was the moment that sort of switched everything and sort of showed us what the mentality of this team actually is. I think Amy and, and Al, uh, when they went back to the bench, because I think Celtics called timeout right after that. Uh, they went back to the bench, and I feel like, are you going to let this dude do that to us? You're going to let him stare us down and think that he's in our head. No, yeah. no, no, no. He's not in our head. We're in his fucking head. Right. And, and you you just saw something turn, man. And I love all the memes that came out because of this. The the I saw one that was like Al Horford's face on that uh, is the definition of, I bet, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure. Bro. He was. I, I loved his wife uh, being like, "I've seen that face before. This is when the Bucks fucked up." I've seen that face. It's a, si- it's a sister. <laughs> or was it a sister? Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> bro. There were so many other comments. They were like, uh, "Everyone, that's just kind of awkward." That's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw the meme. I don't fucking know. But anyway, point being, I think what was so smart coaching wise in that moment is be, mm-hmm. is. You know, you know my disdain and resentment for all things Van Gundy in the NBA. Any one, anytime any one of those two chuckle fucks gets on the microphone and I have to listen to them attempt to talk about basketball like they didn't fail their way into head coaching jobs and then fail their way right fucking back out of them in their careers. 
Uh, anytime I have to listen to it, it drives me fucking bananas. But I, what I really like, I hate when I agree with them. I hate when they're saying stuff and I'm agreeing with them because that almost certainly means the Celtics aren't doing great. But what I really enjoyed is that Jeff, uh, no, it was Stan this week. I mean, you know, six and one, half a dozen of the other. Dumb fuck is dumb fuck. But Stan Van Gundy kept being like, why is Al Horford still on Giannis? You got to put Grant Williams on Giannis. Like he wouldn't shut up about it, right? And to a point, I agreed with him up until that exact moment you're talking mm-hmm. about. That was the moment where I was like, you can't take Al off him now. You have to live in like you got to let him go out there and play ball. You got to let him go out there and play ball. And Grant Williams also has like four or five fouls at this point. So it's like you can't give up on him. You got to let him fucking go. The fact that he shimmy shook later on in the game, gave him a little fucking razzle dazzle, went right on him. Right. No, he didn't even like go left or like do anything fucking weird. He went right. Right. Got up, slammed the fucking ball in his face and then gave him a little fucking Give a little of the old Texas one-two on the fucking way down, you know? A little, a little, a little incidental elbow. If yeah, a little gray poupon, a little, <laughs> little, little fucking mustard on the end of it. Sent him to the floor. And I don't think it was his face or his fatigue that kept him on the floor for that long. I think it was his fucking, the fact that Al Horford just blew by him and yammed on him. And I get that it's a bit of a Brady-Urlacher situation in, in that I don't think Giannis is, Giannis is, is expecting him to full on take him to the hole. I, I think I just don't think he's expecting him to do that. And he does it. And it's awesome. Bro, so I you think could he's see it on Giannis. Him. You could see it on Giannis's face when Al's yeah. by him. Giannis is like, oh, what? Shit, what, the fuck? what just happened? Because no, nobody expected it. Nobody expected him to just go at him. But I think that's a, that's Al Horford for you. Like that's been Al Horford. Hawks Al Horford, Celtics Al Horford. Like he's always been a baller like that. You know, he's always been a leader. And I think for him to... Yeah, of course Giannis is going to take him. If Giannis has him in the perimeter, he's going to hit him with a couple of dribbles. He's going to fucking run right past him. That's just like the way it is. I get it. And I get it, how frustrating it was to watch when, as it was first happening. But the fact that he just left him on him because they, they realized the most damage he's going to do to us is in the paint. So let's just leave out on him. If, he takes him. if he takes him downtown a couple of times, we'll try and slide and help. But in the paint, Al's going to fuck him up. Like he's gonna lose a couple battles, but he's gonna fuck him up. He's gonna chop him. He's gonna bump him. He's gonna fuck it. He's gonna play some defense on him, you know. And you could see how tired Giannis was by the end of it. I think that like it's the most crazy stat line for a guy who, like you said, is sort of responsible for them losing that game, you know. Like pulling up from three and Al just giving him to like it was the Al versus Giannis show. Al just like taking like three steps back and be like, "You go ahead, shoot that." It was just them playing each other. You can see that like, and if you're Giannis. Like, it was, take my Celtics hat off for a second. Say I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan. This is the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Missing the point. Fucking fear the fucking deer or whatever, right? Whatever stupid shit they say in that godforsaken hellhole of a state. It's a Packers thing, honestly. <laughs> I was just going to say, we're going in, huh? <laughs> it's because it's, it's of the Packers. The, the Bucks are just collateral damage. But the if, if we're on that, I'm saying, Giannis, why are you letting Al Horford sucker you into a battle? You know what I mean? Like, why are you doing that? You're a way better player than him. You're a top five NBA player. You don't need to be going one-on-one with Al Horford and letting Al Horford like, like see into your soul like that, man. And Al's just like, yeah, come on down here. Let's have us a dog fight, you know? And then that's how Al gets 30 points while guarding the best player on the court, you know? And I think that's just fucking fantastic. But let's, before we get on to Al, we've done a little Giannis. Let's talk about Drew Holiday for a second. Mm-hmm. I think I made the point to you before the game. If we can keep Drew Holiday at six points, we win the game, right? 
they are able to go to the well on his scoring so easily. And I'm honestly surprised. I mean, he missed a lot of open looks. I think that helped us a lot. I think that helped helped us a ton because if his three-point shooting was a little bit more dialed in, I think we're in trouble in that game because he was left open a few times. His ability to drive and pull up in the mid-range is pretty fucking lethal still. And my point to you before the game is if we can limit Drew Holiday, we win the game because what they're able to do is you remember when this, and you, you're, I know you already know this, this is for the audience. You remember what, the way the Celtics were able to stifle plan A for the Nets and they didn't have a plan B because plan A, and this is when we kind of realized Steve, you know, Ray was right about Steve Nash because it's like, well, where's your plan B? You know, plan A was make our scorers score, right? It's pretty straightforward and I don't hate it, but it's once we stifled that, now what are you going to do? And they couldn't do anything. What the Bucks have done a really good job on against us is, Oh, we'll stifle Giannis. And I heard you made th- make this point last week. Oh, we'll stifle Giannis. We'll make him take dumb pull-up mid-range shots or give him the shot from three and let him miss or, or whatever we'll do. We'll stifle him in those ways, right? But what they can do then is they go like, well, Drew Holiday's getting penetration on them every single time. He's too fast. They don't have an answer. That surprises me. What like that's That should be the guy we, sh- we should be able to guard the best. You know, like why is it Marcus Smart able to just live with him? You know, like it feels like they switch really well to get him space. And I just think we need to figure that out if we're going to win that win this series because he's, honestly, it's, it's looking a little easy for him. And I think people are maybe sleeping on how good of a scorer he actually is. And he gets the most important points. Like he scores a bucket right when they need him to. Like he's become that guy on the team. So do you agree? Do you disagree? Like where, where are you at on the Drew Holiday conundrum? And, and do you have an answer? So I, I think what it is with Drew uh, is... He definitely felt slighted almost uh, with DeMarcus Smart winning the the Defensive Player of the Year because before this year, you know what I mean, Drew was seen as maybe the best defensive guard in the NBA. Uh, Marcus wins that uh, award, and all of a sudden, it's all about Marcus. You know what I mean? No one's talking about Drew and his great defense. No one's talking about these things. So he definitely felt slighted. I I just don't know if he's ready to be the two-guy on a championship-winning team. Which you wouldn't have said after game three, though. Right. No, agreed. I wouldn't have said that after game three, because after game three, him and Giannis sat down and they both had buckets and they both had, you know, they both had numbers in every column, you know, so uh, I wonder what changed. I I feel like it's as Giannis goes, Drew goes, you know what I mean? I feel like he feeds off him a lot. And and the fact that Giannis was getting challenged and and not shut down, not by any means. He had 34 and 18. Not by any means for the entire night. But. Drew, man, was brutal in game four. He was so, I'm going to go over it. So he was five for 22 from the field. Yeah. Volume one of, the, one of yeah. one of six from three. And he was a minus 23. How many points? When he was out with? there. Uh, 16. 16. All right. So, so, which is, remember, you said six. And I was like, hey. You were like, six, 12, six, 12 six, would be great. You were like, right, 12 would be great. Six is a dream. But we right. kept him out of the 20s. We did. Right. And that's huge, man. And his, and his volume was still up though is the thing so i you know i just because his volume was up he takes good looks he takes smart shots you know he t- takes good drew holiday shots i think we got a little lucky with him last game i just think his shot wasn't falling if he gets think about if he gets 26 points instead of 16 points you know the whole complexion of the game is different because where, where are those where are those points coming in and i know you can do that with everybody i know you can say like well if tatum was shooting better for the first three quarters then the game would have been a, a different look too i'm talking about practically what the fuck do we do 
to prevent him from getting 20 decent looks, you know, like, cause I feel like every time he shot and missed, they weren't terrible looks, you know, like he wasn't shooting dumb, contested two guys on him type shots. Like Giannis was taking from time to time. He was missing open looks and that's just luck. You know, we're, that's not going to happen again. So we got to figure that out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Somehow, somewhere or another, I just feel like he's their second guy. If we could take him away from them, if we like Giannis is going to do Giannis shit, but if we can take Drew Holiday out of the equation, if we can unlock that, maybe we play a zone. Maybe we switch Jalen Brown onto him more. I thought Jalen Brown did pretty good on him. I know he's a little bit long to guard a guy that fast. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, Drew, Drew Holiday's the guy that's like, you know, the, the way that in a series like this, there's a guy that's like living in your head. I'm like, I love Drew Holiday's the thing. I, he's exactly the kind yeah, of player I, I like. I, he's exactly you know the kind I of player. I, yeah. I mean, like, I wouldn't even call him as much of a crafty guard as, mu- as more of like a, like, I just love a stop and go guy, like an Allen Iverson. Like, he can cross you up. He can take you inside, take you back outside. He can make his own shot, but he's like not, and maybe a little bit undersized. I love Drew Holiday. So he's living in my fucking head rent free in the series. Like, I'm just scared of him every time he gets the ball. And I think for good reason, you know, but what do you, what would you do? You know, what would be your solution? I, I would make him keep shooting, honestly, man. I just don't think he's used to this volume. He usually has Middleton taking most of these shots. You know what right. I mean? So I feel, I feel like he like, stepped up in game three, so I got nervous. Yeah, no, agreed. He did step up in game three, but I just don't think he can keep it going all series, man. I think the way that they're playing him, honestly, is the way that they need to keep playing. Because statistically and historically, he's not a great shooter. So the fact that you forced him into thinking that he could take six threes in a game and he missed. He, the three-point shooting, sure. The three-point shooting, You know what I mean? He's, he's always, he's always had that pull-up, though. He's always had that pull-up in and around the, the uh, in and around the rim. He can finish it in and around the rim, and he's getting penetration. The so, thing with the, the re- I feel like the reason Marcus isn't having as much success guarding him is because he's so worried about everything else that's going right, around. Right, right. You know like, what I mean? There's he's so almost much like, happening. Right. Marcus is like scheming on the court. You can see it. Like yes. he's also like quarterback in the defense, which I think is like a huge thing that he does. I agree with you wholeheartedly because I also think they have him running around kind of bullying. Like he had to switch to Connaughton at one point because Connaughton started to fucking light up, you know, and it was like, this up. does he? You said that in the thing. I'm like, what? Is this who? This fucking guy. Like, who I feel is like this he, fucking guy? He killed us in, the, in that one series where we won the first game, and then the Bucks won four straight when we had Kyrie. Uh, he, he murdered us in that series too. So I just have always have this. I feel like if you're memory and, of and, most, and most casual NBA fans don't know your name, you will have a great playoff game against the Celtics. Agreed. <laughs> like, Agreed, bro. I feel like if you're who was the dude who was like a lights out shooter that played with LeBron, the blonde kid, he had brothers. He's like their shooting coach now. What the fuck's his uh, name? Uh, Mo Williams? No, no, no. White guy. Oh, Del Vadova. Del Vadova. No, 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 no. No, the fucking, he was like, he had like, he wasn't, he was never good. He was like, he was a decent shooter. His name's like Luke something. All right, whatever. I'll look it up. Riddenauer? What? Luke Riddenauer? No, no. I forget. His, he's like a shooting coach now. He's like legitimately a good shooting coach. And he was like a legitimately good shooter, but he would always light us up. That is like Tyler Hero in the fucking, uh, in the Heat series, right? Or it was like, nobody knew Tyler Hero was. It's like, oh, it's not skin pigment, pretty white. You can shoot against the Celtics. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it becomes this thing. What, are you looking it up? Yep. I gotta find out who the fuck this guy is now. It's gonna fucking bother me. What the, I bet people are screaming into their radios right now. Yeah, I, I I always do that when people would talk about that <laughs> shit. Like, when they're like, like oh, I don't remember that guy. where you forget <laughs> who it is. Uh, who the fuck is it? Player LeBron teammate. You'll know it right when I tell you who it is. Mark Price. No. I have to just tell. He's too old. That's too old. I got to find out this guy. Yeah, it's fine. This is what normally happens on podcasts, I feel like. 
Yeah, right. And then, and then they just edited that shit out. And then we sound super smart because we came up with it super right. fucking fast. Right, exactly. You're going to be like, oh, of course, when I tell you who it is. Best, I'm just going to look at best Cavs shooters. I just went to the same. Kyle Korver. Kyle Ah, Korver. fucking Korver. Oh, yeah. God. I Jesus fucking loved Christ. Kyle Korver, bro. Yeah, but like that's what I'm talking about. He always lit us up. He was fucking lit us up. He was always wide open in the in in the uh, in the corner to just fucking yeah. absolutely murder us. Right? He's the Connington. I agree. Yeah, he's the Connington. Uh, I think he's probably a lot much better shooter than Connington. But Connington looks like fucking you know he's lights out out there. So it's just it's infuriating. Corver's two all time, all time. Yeah, all exactly. Time. And he's like a shooting coach now. He's like a form coach now. It's like what he does. So uh, that all makes sense to me. And like yeah, he had like a yeah. These are the getting back to the original point. These are the guys. That- <laughs> <laughs> Like that motherfucker, Kyle Corver. Kyle Corver ruined Celtics games and podcasts now at this point. So uh, getting back to the original point, I think we need to do something about these uh, Bucks role players yeah, before, before we need to do something about Giannis. I, I think like to your point earlier, it's like Giannis kind of beat Giannis in the last game. Like how Mike and Ray always like to tell me Brett screwed Brett. I think Giannis screwed Giannis. I think he was like, he got dragged down like we were talking about it into Horford's world. And he sort of helped lose the team, lose the game for his team. Now, when they come back to Boston, we can't let them do what they did to us in game one, which is punch us in the mouth early, get a little shocked, and then like not recover, which I think, I mean, it sort of is what it is. Like, you know, we won the, won the series before in four games, and like it took us a little time to get up to speed. I think that version's over, man. I don't think that. I would hope so. I, I don't see this team not responding and not. That's why, like, so that's why I always say you got to weather the storm. Yeah. If this team is close, man. Yeah. They will make a comeback. It's yeah. just a matter of time. And and they're starting to develop that uh that thing that that like re- the really good Warriors teams could do. Like it's not they're down ten, like how you would expect this specific iteration of the Celtics to come back. Oh, they're down twelve. Uh they gotta come back. Okay, now it's eight. Uh, okay, now it's six. Oh, it's eight again. Oh, no. well, they 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 did that thing in the last series where it was like, wait, we're we're only down four? Bro, like, how yeah. the fuck did that happen? It was like, whap, whap, whap. And it was like, oh, shit, okay, this will work. That's what happened early in this game, dude. You saw it. Yeah. Like, remember, I, it, they took that first lead. And it was like, bro, that's such a big lead for them to take because we looked like dog shit right. in that first quarter. Right. And then they came back, took that fucking lead. I want to make one point about the role yeah. players before we go on to ours. Take the floor. Um, bro, I think it's so big that Chris Middleton is not in this series. Can you imagine? So right now, Jalen Brown has Grayson Allen and Pat Connington That's another motherfucker that's been pissing me off is Grayson Allen. I hate Grayson. Grayson Allen's my least favorite. You're supposed to hate him. They made him in a lab to be hated by NBA fans across the board. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, he went to Duke. You know what I mean? You just start right off. And he was like a prick on Duke, too. Yeah. Um, he was like yeah, a so, guy you'd be nervous if your sister was hanging out with him. You know, 100%, you're like... <laughs> 100%. I would not let my sister go near fucking Grayson yeah. Allen. Good basketball um, player, but serious date rape vibes. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I wasn't going to go there, but it's like, I, we said it subtly already. I don't know why you had to say it. I'm like, I don't know. I just want to say it about Grayson Allen. Fuck. Um, so <laughs> I mean, I, we could end the podcast there. <laughs> Grayson Allen date rape vibes. Just, that's the title, <laughs> the of, the title of the episode. So yeah, uh, it's going to be the title of a fucking New York magazine article <laughs> in a few years. Cause he does have fucking date rape vibes. Um, <laughs> Front cover of Rolling Stone. So, <laughs> so yeah, if Middleton is covering JB full time and, and it's not Allen and Connington switching off, yeah, this series is kind of you don't have the if he has the game three, the game four that he has. Yeah, this series is so different to me, man. Game I think we're, I think we'd be in we'd be in trouble 
if, yeah. if that was the case. Because, listen, Middleton is bred to defend guys like Brown and Tatum. Yeah. And the one answer the Bucks don't have is someone to defend Brown and Tatum on yeah. every possession. I, I think it's so huge that they're not in there. And going forward next year, we need to get someone who who fills that backup role or fi- I, I don't even know. So I like to have a Marcus but, Morris back in the day. Yeah, exactly. Like, you well, know, like, was perfect. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, yes. It's like, I, I didn't want him to be as important of a figure on the team as he was. Or but as, if you as like, he thought he was, as or as he thought he was, or as he like needed to be sometimes, cause like we sucked. But if you took out, like if you could, if you had like a, an ideal world of a, per- a perfect world where you have Rob Williams with full minutes playing at his best, and you could just like pluck Daniel Tice, and this is a good transition into actually our role players. If you could just pluck Daniel Tice's minutes right out of there, and you make it a Marcus Morris or a Marquise Morris or a, you know, or a, you know, I'm not really sure what Steven Jackson's deal is these days. If he a can Bobby still jumps from the but, yeah, same type yeah, guy, like a, like a guy that can just go with yeah, exactly, uh, like a Carlos Boozer back yeah. in the day. You know what I mean? Like that those like someone to just come in. Maybe it's Grant. You know, maybe it's Grant. If if we got somebody that could maybe control Giannis a little bit better and not like our six six fucking or you know undersized power forward, I feel like Grant Williams could play that role. I think he could definitely do some shit to Chris Middleton. We'll see. I mean, you know, it'll, it'll, I'm sure those matchups will happen down the road if these are the teams we're sticking with. But to uh, to move on to the Celtics role players, I'm going to start with Daniel Tice because I think I've come around. I think it's a matchup situation. Like I, I think that there was things he could do on the floor against the Brooklyn Nets that were effective. And I think that they didn't really need to worry about him so much. And the guys that he was guarding, it's like, you know, we had Tatum kind of doing a good job when I won on KD and there wasn't like a huge giant big man to like destroy us down low to, to exploit Daniel Tice. But something happened in that last game where I was like, you know what? It's not even that he's, I was, you would talk shit about him and I'd be like, he's undersized and he's like trying his fucking best and he's working hard. And he's in there getting like, you know, he's trying to take charges and he's doing all the kind of all the uh, the dirty work, you know, and I like players like that. But in this last game, I don't know if it was instructions from the coaching staff or whatever, but he did so much stupid shit. Right. Like he's the only guy on the Celtics that looks like he doesn't belong when he's on the floor. That, that, you know what I mean? He. Yeah, keep going. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you didn't cut me off at all. I'm just it's just the it's the dumb fuckery that got me in the last game. Yeah. He took two back-to-back three-point shots when we like were down. Bro, that's it. And and it's things like that, that that were killing me. He didn't do that in the Brooklyn series, but it would be like that on the defensive end where right. he would get caught out of position. He got we'd back have, caught we, a ton, right, which is we, also We'd be playing error. great defense, and then all of a sudden the Nets are back in the fucking game. KD yeah. got rolling a little bit. Why? Because yeah. Daniel Tice couldn't fucking get out onto the three-point yeah. line fast enough, or he didn't see that back cut coming. Or it's just, I, I feel like Emmy doesn't. Honestly, I feel like Amy doesn't like him that much because because he didn't see the floor for the first you know two games. There was a moment where he's not physical enough, man. He's not so many things. Listen, Daniel Tice is who he is. All right, I'm happy we got him. We got rid of Schroeder for him. So you know, great, amazing. In a different series, he might be able to play a role. But I agree with you essentially. I, I I also think. I was I was so fucking angry. I mean, I was alone in my house watching the game. Thank God there was no like other humans around. But there was a moment where off a fucking rebound from a free throw and he had position on Brooke Lopez. And I get that Brooke Lopez is a monster. Like, and I get that he's huge, but he had fucking position on him. You know what I mean? If you have your fucking ass backed into the dude and the ball's falling towards you, he, he can't Randy Moss you in that situation and just put it back up because 
you got to leave your feet. And I watched Daniel Tice it's like that. not leave his feet. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I would have benched him for life if that was me. I mean, this is why I'm not a head coach. I'm a very reactionary individual. But I would have benched him for life at that point. It's not, it, it's just unacceptable. It, especially if you're what's essentially considered a big man. You can't be letting dudes fucking Randy Moss you like that over the top. Anyway, yeah, I'm with you on Tice. I don't like seeing him on the floor, especially not in this um, specific series because the Bucks are too long. They're too strong. They're too athletic. Uh, they got too many guys that that they can just happily bring onto the floor to just bully Daniel Tice. Like they, he looks, he's like chum in the fucking water for them when they see him in there. If yeah. we had a Serge Ibaka type or a, you know, a, you know, like is, is someone, someone along those lines to just come in and, and kind of bump with those guys inside for a little bit, take a little of their energy away, sure. But that's not what Tice is doing. So I just, I'd almost rather the big tall Australian fuck that we got rid of. What was his name? Baines. Yeah, I, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, you know, I don't think 100%. he was, I don't think he was as good of a, a basketball player as Daniel Tice, but I think that he would get in there and fucking get, he had, get more, he had more dog. He had yeah, more dog in him. Get Grammy yeah. in there, you know, fuck it. Yeah. Like I, I need something along those lines because Daniel Tice ain't it. I know who you're going to next. Moving right along to the Derek White conversation because yeah. I, I, I get that you were hard on him. I get why. It was even tough for me to argue. I remember I was listening to last week's show with you and Mike and Ray and you were giving Derek White the business. And I was like, well, I don't know. And I like looked it up. I looked up his stats and his, the stats were, they were, they were, they were pretty tough. They were pretty yeah. tough for game three. I think he was like, oh, for six from three. And he, he was, oh, for however many from the field and. He did nothing. It was a terrible stat line. And I get that he's kind of in there to to do defensive shit. And I think he had a fucking unbelievable defensive game. Game Forge will get to. But offensively, I think because of the nature of this team and because of how this team sort of operates on a mentality level, which we've touched on a few times in a few different uh, ways in this podcast so far, because of that, I think Derek White didn't get to be a little bitch. And I, he didn't get to like freak out. And they were still like, take your open shots, dude. You can hit your open shots. And he missed like his first one. And then they sort of started falling and they started falling at key moments. He was in the right place at the right time a lot. He made the smart pass a lot. He penetrated at the right time. And he's also secretly kind of our only guy other than Tatum and Brown that can play a little in and out ball. Marcus. So I think Marcus's game is that once he gets in, he's trying to make the killer pass, which I don't hate. And if he's like in the paint, he's either wants to restart or he wants to make the killer pass. I like the idea of having somebody on the floor like Derek White that can dribble the ball in, fuck their rotations a little bit, and then take it right back out to the perimeter and see where we're at again. I like that game in a point guard personally. So where are you at on him? I mean, you were out on him completely. The experiment was done. We had scrapped it. The Manhattan Project was over. <laughs> uh, but have you come around at all? I'm not trying to make your words because I understand why you were mad. But if you come around at all on Derek White, you see what he's bringing to the team or is it still like, I don't know, it's frustrating. So, you know, I never, so I never, and I said this when we were dogging him last time, is like, listen, I understand how vital that trade was to our season. How, and that was our, a good point. I, that, and, I, I'll give you credit for that because that point was, we needed to consolidate the roster. And I thought about that in this last game. When I thought about you saying that we needed to consolidate the roster and we made the right out moves in order to like to bring these guys in. So I agree with you wholeheartedly on that point, just for the record. But thank you. And, you know, when it comes down to like how, yes, uh, to, to sum it up. Yes, I am. I am back in on the Derek White train, man. I saw a stat. I sent it to you guys where he held Buck shooters in that game to O of 15 shooting, bro. That is so impressive. And he has the highest plus minus out of any Celtic 
for the past, uh, I think it's the past three games. And it's a plus, I think it's like a plus 41 or some stupid shit like that. Like when he's on the court now, it just seems like we're a better executing team. And and I don't know what it is. The one thing that was bothering me, which I, I feel like he kind of figured out, was the trap. He was getting trapped so much in those first two games in the backcourt, man. Where I, I don't know if he, he wasn't expecting it, what it was, but I felt like, you know, they would trap him and he'd be like, oh shit. What do I do now? Do you, and, do, you and, do you hate his dribbling? I think I don't love how he dribbles the ball. I, yeah, like, I don't. I don't love how he possesses the ball, and I think that that. I don't like the way trouble. anyone on the Celtics dribbles the ball. I, I, like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel uh, like Jalen Brown's dribbling. I'm like Jalen, give it to, uh, give it to. No, the Celtics to, don't have anyone that I feel comfortable dribbling the ball from more than ten feet. That's where I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like if Peyton Pritchard, that's it. Yeah, that's Peyton it. You're, Pritchard, you're right. Peyton, Peyton Pritchard. I'm it. actually like. I've actually come around on him to the point where I'm like, for literally that reason, because when he gets the ball, when, like when they try to press us full court in any way, I feel like we get a little rattled sometimes. And when, or when they try to press us on a rebound, when we haven't fully secured the ball, when it goes to Pritchard, I'm like, okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Cause he's like small and he can just fucking dribble the ball up. And that's all I need. That's all I, that's all I need right now. Nobody's like stealing the ball from him. No one's even going to try because he's like that kind of player. Hey, me yeah. Pritchard. Might I'm be the in. best handles on the team. <laughs> I'm, which is sad. Uh, I'm back in on, on Derek White. I am, man. I'm, I'm still not all the way in offensively. I still think it scares the shit out of me every single time he, he pulls up for a jumper. I don't uh, find him on a wide open three. I really don't. So but, uh, I like his shooting form. I think they'll start to drop. I, I feel like he's out of his head now. I think that was a big problem, I too. Uh, you know what I mean? Like th- those first couple games, man, you could see it that not only did every Celtic fan hate when he was shooting the ball. But he hated when he was shooting the ball, and, and and that's a problem, man. Derek White is a he's a he's an emotional guy. He's like a, an emotional leader. He's that type of guy. So if if he's in his own head and he's doubting himself and he's not thinking this ball is going in, then we're in trouble. But the defensive prowess that he brings now, man, I, I gotta say, like that turn turned me around completely. I saw that stat: oh, a fifteen shooting, and you know I'm all about like the advanced metrics, all that shit. His advanced metrics are off the fucking charts in the past two games, man. He is by far the most uh, efficient defender on the Celtics for the past two games, and it's not even close. So I'm back in on Derek with, with White. With the asterisk that we, you know, we did, what we did talk about, Marcus is has to do a lot right now. Right? No. Okay. Yeah. So I, I feel so to to go to Marcus real quick too. I feel like what it is is Derek White is taking the role that Marcus had a lot during the regular season because we had Rob doing the free safety Roma role where he's just everywhere fucking everyone up. And that's who that against the Bucks, though. It, it, right, and I can't, but I feel like the person who can is Marcus. You know what I mean? Marcus can switch onto anyone besides Giannis. And it still will, though. He, if you ask him to, he's like, I'll fucking D him up. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll swap that shit out of the air, no problem. <laughs> I um, believes it himself. <laughs> but I, I feel like that's what we're seeing. It, it is... White is turning into the guy where you're like, hey, you go on him, you follow that hit, you follow him, and you do not let him score easily. And, and he's executing it perfectly, man. I, I don't know. I was so out. I'm so shocked. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch a guy fucking, you know, take wide open looks and not make you, him. When you know, when you know what he can do, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what was really befuddling to me. I haven't used that word in a while. Uh, befuddling <laughs> to me is is... He was shooting, I think he shot like 40% since we acquired him in the off and, and yeah. at the trade deadline. Yeah. And in the playoffs, he was like 19% from the field. It was like, yeah. bro, 
what is is the moment too big for this dude? You uh, can't get what's worse. Happening? You can't get worse when the moment gets bigger, you know. But I think Especially you know, I think the mentality helped. I think he was still in his head. He took an early open three that didn't go in. That I was like, I I would expect you to make that. I'm like, you gotta shake those fucking cobwebs off, dude. And I think he kind of did. I liked also our fun little um, joke about how he reminds you of the guy you make in 2K when you first get into the league and you're like, just your stats are so bad you can't get by anybody, so you're just trying to play defense. And you're trying to pass the ball. Trying to get that teammate grade up. Get that yeah, teammate get that, grade yeah, up. Get the teammate grade up. And you're like, I got to take a wide open look. I feel I believe in myself to hit the like perfect timing on my shot meter. But it's a really small window because the shooting is, <laughs> you know, the shooting's low. So it does, it does remind me of that sometimes. But I, I do think he had a great game for it. And I hope he can, he can, long may it continue. So in, um, in the other, in the other discord, I, I saw someone put out there and I actually kind of agreed with it that Derek White reminds him of a point guard, Rob Williams, where it's it, he 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 plays great defense. He does all the intangibles, but you don't really trust him offensively. He can do some things, but he's very limited offensively. If he's not in the right situation, he's not going to go off in that game. He can Maybe right now. But he right now, I feel like there's right. a world where Derek White becomes a pretty efficient scorer. To be honest with you, he was in the past. I mean, yeah. he was in the bubble uh, with San Antonio that year. Bubble doesn't and, count. And Everybody's fucking weird that year. The Lakers won a championship that year for God's sake, and they're not. They're all at home right now. That's how much of a fucking <laughs> aberration that was. Just need to get that little because the old, uh, old guys got like five months off, so that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever. We'll see. Fuck those guys. So <laughs> moving right along to uh, let's see, let's go on to the stars. I because I I feel like Jalen Brown. Did, Deserves a lot of credit, I think, for obviously his the Jalen Brown game, which will be commonly referred to as the Jalen Brown game in this series, where he just fucking started the game off just shooting lights out and just being all over him. It was a big response from him. I feel like it's the guy that has a shitty game, and it's not about what happened in that game. It's about what you did after and how you responded, and I think he responded really well. How do you think he played uh, in game four? What you like about him? What you not like about him? I personally felt like he hit shots he he had answers a lot which i really enjoyed and uh and i think he stepped up when he needed to and i and i think he w- was shooting with confidence even in situations where his confidence maybe should have been lower because he hadn't been playing that great and i liked him defensively but where are you at with jb right now yeah uh so that game i think it was game two was it game two yeah game two have we talked since then did we, we talk have since? not we have no bro no, we got our asses whooped well we didn't get our asses whooped but we it was the point tenths of a second game in game three so yeah yeah Game two, man, he was so unbelievable in that game. And I, I haven't seen JB play like that in, I mean, I don't know, uh, they, they, since since his injury last year. Like, JB was awesome this year, but he wasn't putting up 30 points at all this year, really. This past game, though, right? So I, I feel like what it was, the reason we didn't see JB go off is because he knew that this needed to be Tatum's game because of how shitty Tatum was in game three. Yeah, so he, yeah he, but you, have, you can't really think like that. I, I know, but but I really, I, I feel like he knew he needed to be a role player on side of Tatum, and then as soon as Al also took over, you know, he definitely took a side seat to that. But he was doing the intangibles, like you just said, man. He's playing great defense. What did he score, 18 points in game four? Yeah. So, so he, I mean, he had a good game. It wasn't anything that jumped off the page, but it was everything you needed him to do, man. Big points, though. Big yeah. points at the right time. Yeah, for sure. Two for five from three. And, you know, I just think... With One J- of those three-point buckets was when it was like a low percent. He was like guarded. And if, if he missed it, we would have stayed down 10, but it brought us down seven, like something around that range. Yeah. And it was like a, this is fucking going in type shot. Like he just, he just... 
pulled up and took it and it went in and it was like, okay, cool. This is the kind of play we need. You know, like that was a, one of those two, three parts was a big bucket because it's I, context matters, right? Yeah. And I just feel like with, with JB, man, I, I brought up the comparison last time. I don't know. I don't know if you heard it or not, but Jeff, he reminds me so much of Jeff Green. Every single time I've I remember you guys basketball. talking about it, it's just because it's like they're freak athletes and, and there might be a, a point where you are relying on your athleticism because you spent your whole life relying on your athleticism and it works because you're way more athletic than everybody else. But then you get to the NBA and you've got to develop some shit. I think the difference is Jalen Brown has the basketball IQ, the brain, the work ethic mm-hmm. to develop all that stuff outside of Jeff Green sort of being like, I can just, just be good. Keep being athletic. Right? Yeah, I can just yeah. be good, whatever. Like, it's fine. And I think that was Jeff Green's problem. I think it was a mentality difference. But yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the fact that I think they came in as raw athletic specimens, you know, to, to the same degree and same sort of body type and same sort of game based on that athleticism. I think it's a, it's a fair enough point. But now, bro, it's not. not yeah. <laughs> but so, so what I, is, is you can see that he's taken that to another level where he is still athletic like that. He still makes those plays. But like you just said, he does all those small things that Jeff Green never did, man. And, and it's so big to this team that you can have Jalen Brown go five of 11. Uh, only score 18 points, but still makes such a big impact on this oh, basketball yeah, game, man. He's and, huge and, on the eye test, for sure. Yeah, and you, exactly. You Normally, with athletic guys, when they're not scoring, when they're not making those freak plays, they disappear. They vanish. And JB hasn't been doing that since game one, man. So I, I think it's such a testament to who he is as a basketball player, what he's developed into as our clear two guy, too. I think that that's something that's big is he's accepted that, like, listen, this is fucking Tatum's team, and he knows it. But he still can be there when you need him, and he's gonna, he's gonna deliver, man. And it's just he—he's so special with that mentality, man. When you have a guy who is a superstar in the NBA have a shitty game, and he is out before the next game shooting jump shots and threes and practicing four hours before the game, he's the first person at the goddamn yeah. stadium. Yeah. It's 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 a special mindset to have, man. I yeah. think I think Emmy Emmy has a lot to do with this. Jaylen I think he might have been better for Jalen than he even was for Jason, to be honest with you. A hundred percent. Listen, c- coming into the offseason, you knew that Jalen wanted a black coach to come coach his team. And he made, remember, he made like, literally, he made... Yeah, uh, no, he was like, I would like, prefer... Sound bites about yeah. it. Well, I mean, I get it, to be quite honest with you. I, I just think, and we've talked about this before, I just think when you have a guy like Udoka, who's been there, who's done it, mm-hmm. who... Especially now, you know, and in, in, in the current climate, especially, you know, like everything that was happening during the bubble in a predominantly African-American league. I, I don't think it's an entirely unfair thing to say, like, I just want a dude that I can fucking relate to that. If I like if you're Jalen Brown, you look at Brad Stevens and Brad Stevens is like, come on, Jalen, fucking do it. You're like, well, fuck you, Brad. And it's like, you know, and then that's the guy sort of leading the team. When they're all sort of going through this George Floyd thing and 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 the 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 tensions in America at the time and the the media looking like both looking to them to speak out on it, but also then castigating them on the other side by being like just fucking play basketball. And these are all things that are going to affect your game. You know, you say that they're not going to, but they're going to. Like where you're at mentally is obviously going to affect your game. I mean, ask fucking Stefan Marbury if that's true or not. And I think that like. To go to to have this sort of to have this sort of empathy and understanding and maturity to say, okay, well then, you know, you want to get coached hard, but you want to get coached hard by someone that you maybe respect and can relate to a little bit more. 
here's Ime Udoka. How's that work for you? And I think you're still rolling the dice because, you know, he's unproven as a head coach. But at that point, you're at least looking at Jalen and Jason and saying, and I think we were saying this in the regular season, you're looking at them and going, if you guys still have a problem, it's a fucking you problem now because we yep. gave you exactly yep. what you asked for. So, you know, if that's what you wanted, you got it. Can you figure it out? And I think they are. I think they're stepping up. I think they realize there's no more excuses. There's no, nothing kind of left to fall back on. They got what they asked for. And this is, it's working out. <laughs> it's working out. I'm proud of them. I think they're digging deep. And I think he is coaching them better as individual players than Brad was. Couldn't agree more. I, you know, I think when it comes to uh, the way Emmy is pushing this team in, I think so. Remember at the beginning of the season, we were so worried and questioning the way he was doing things because it felt like the same shit all over again. Sure. No one, he, no it looked, well, they looked like called the same out. fucking team it, right away. It was, it was the same. It was yeah. the same exact thing. And Emmy wasn't really saying much. We were like, what's going on, man? Why isn't he jumping down their throat like we thought he would? Why? I feel like he was just building up a lot of trust. And yeah. he, he, he was getting them to You can't to come in and start kicking right, ass you, right away. You, you know, it's just going to be like, what the fuck? You just got here. But now... When Emmy says shit, you know it's to better this team. You know it's because that's what it takes to win. And I feel like Jalen bought into that so hard, man. And he's the one to me that you see the biggest turnaround from the attitude he was playing with, from just everything. Because Jalen, like, we all know Jalen's a very, he's the emotional guy on the team. He's the one that's going to speak up. He's the one that's going to yell at guys. And it just felt like before he wasn't, he... I don't want to say he was like the problem with the chemistry, but I feel like he had a big portion of it. It is Jalen and oh, he his, was like getting into it with Marcus and the right, bro. Yeah, yeah, I was getting leaked. It was like, ugh, this isn't great, you know. Like, and then it was whose team is it, and like all this sort of different shit. I think Mike made a good point on last week's show talking about, and this will be a good transition, I think, into uh, talking about JT. I, I think he sort of accepted that. The kind of stuff that he was the best at doing on his other teams, specifically playing at Cal, where you're not, it's not Duke, right? I mean, it's a good basketball program, but it's not Duke. He was the best player on that team, which means he's going to, you know, in basketball terms, is he's going to be the best shooter. He's going to be the best dribbler. He's going to be, you know, and it, it, in the NBA, it's just a little bit of a different thing. There's different levels to it. And I think him seeing where he can fit around Jason Tatum is was a necessary thing for him to do, a very mature thing for him to do, and arguably makes him the most important piece of this current team because he had to do that thing. He had to pipify himself, pipify himself, and start to get good at... Pipify was better. Pipify is better. He had to pipify himself <laughs> uh, in order to... And, and, and check his ego a little bit. I mean, every, and I don't mean that in a sense of like, oh, you got your fucking ego, you get paid millions of dollars. I mean, that bullshit. Every human being has an ego. Every human being goes into their life and, and their experiences, especially in the workplace with a certain level of ego. Am I doing good enough? Does this person respect me enough? These are thoughts that every human has to deal with on and at, at, at any workplace. And the stakes are arguably higher in a, in a, in a multi-billion dollar uh, industry like, like sports and, and athletics. And when you're on TV all the time. So uh, those pressures, they mount. So I think it's a very difficult thing that he did by sort of turning around and saying, I'm not going to be, it's not that he's a role player, but he's a role player. Do you know what I mean? Like he, yeah. he's yep. not a role player in basketball terms, but he plays a very important role when he needs to and especially he's gotten especially good at recognizing when it's jb time you know when it's okay and it's not 
it's it, to me, it doesn't read like, get the fuck out of the way, dude. It's time for me to do it because you can't do it, which used to sort of feel like. To me, it's like, hey, man, don't worry. I got your back. You're struggling. We can still have you shoot because I'm just going to up my efficiency. I'm going to start to drive. I'm going to start to work hard. I do I do still think he penetrates to the basket a little bit better than Tatum does. I, I don't necessarily think he's just like silky, but I think he's more direct. He's and, I think we, I, and he's stronger. And I think we need that from time to time. I wish his free throw shooting would improve because that's going to bite us in the ass late, late in the fourth quarter one day. But, uh, but I think he knows who he is a little bit more now. He's more secure in who he is now. And I think that that's enabling him to it, it, maybe not be the best player on the team, but be the leader. You know, because a leader doesn't put himself first. A leader puts the team first. And I think that's what he's doing. But he ne- he knows that some nights he needs to be the best player on the court. And I Which think that's, that's right. And he can Which do that. And that's so key, man, to be able to take a backseat, right? And, and be the, the, the 1B guy on the team. But on nights that you need him to be 1A, for him to be like, all right, whatever, yeah. word, I got the shape. I got you guys. Get on my back. I'm winning this game. It, it's so huge, man. Yeah. It's so huge. And, and I'll tell you something. I'll die on this hill forever. The only type of person, the only category of person that could have come into this team, and I just know this in my heart. There's no way to collect any data on it. But the only type of person that could have come into this team and convinced Jalen Brown to be the way we're saying he is, is somebody that was in, around, and actively participating in the San Antonio Spurs organization under Greg Popovich, because that's the only guy I could have thought of before Eme came in and did this that could have come in and done that. You know, agree. And I think to to uh, you know to circle back to the original point about Eme coming in, he can point to he. uh, There's no way he's not standing in in those tape rooms going when Manu Ginobili, et cetera, et cetera, yep. when Tony yep. Parker, et cetera, et cetera, when, uh, when me, when Tim Duncan, like Timmy would do this, he's pointing to that stuff. And you know something? Not a terrible fucking whiteboard to be pointing up to and, uh, and describing when it comes to, yeah, okay, maybe Manu could have been like the best player ever on the Charlotte Hornets. You know what I mean? Like maybe. You and took he's that not... game right out of my head. I was like, the Hornets? <laughs> like maybe he could have been. Maybe he could have been the greatest Charlotte Hornet to ever fucking wear the jersey. He'd have zero fucking rings right now. You know, he'd have zero rings. So you can look at that team and you can ask them, like, you can give Jalen Brown a straight up hype. Would you rather? You can give him a straight up hypothetical. Would you rather be the guy with no rings, potentially no rings, that's playing for New Orleans, but they're, you're the best ever Pelican? Like, that's it. Like, you're the Pelican of the century. <laughs> or would you rather have been the second best guy on a Celtics team that won three? You know who else was the second best guy on a Celtics team? Ray Allen was the second best guy on a Celtics team. Or Paul Pierce, arguably. It depends. Depends on who you're asking. You know who else was the second best guy on a fucking Celtics team? Fucking, uh, f- uh, what's his name? Robert Parrish. Or- sure, Robert Parrish. Fucking, um, why can't I? Why, why? Kevin McHale was the Celtics best, right, okay. was the second yeah, yeah, yeah. best guy on a Celtics team. You know, these are names you remember. These are names you know. You know, that it doesn't have to, you don't have to be LeBron. And honestly, I don't know if you want to be in, in today's NBA. I just think you want to go get yourself some fucking jewelry, bro. Like that's what it should, that's what should matter. So moving right along to who is our best player, I think very arguably, uh, very unarguably, I should say, talent-wise, our 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 best player in in Jason Tatum. I love a guy who can have sh- three shitty quarters and then go off on the fourth. I love that. <laughs> it's just like, and, don't worry about it. And, like, and not only three shitty quarters, seven consecutive 
garbage quarters. You know what I yeah, mean? No, like, sure, yeah. It, it, was, it was getting yeah. to the point where we were like, what the fuck is wrong with Tatum, man? Like, what's going on? What is he doing? And for him to come out and, and hit those shots that he was hitting, man, that one three that we already talked about was, was such a big boy Dude. three, man. Yeah. And it's, we, we've seen him hit those type of threes before, but we used to get like mad at him for taking them because it was in the worst right. times. Well, he, you, know what else, though? you know what else? He's it's what's a little different specifically about what you're talking about. He's not dribbling it for eight seconds before and he then doing three, it and then yeah. doing that sidestep. But then the guy's kind of still on him and then he shoots and like it would go in. But you'd be like, still a dumb fucking shot. It was like, oh, I need to take one step and, and just pull up without hesitation. You know, it was those type of threes. And I yeah. think that's just yeah. that shows maturity and growth. It's. You know, like, remember when we were shitting on him for the, uh, the Kobe, Which time? The, 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 <laughs> right, the Kobe, the Kobe lessons, because because we saw Kobe's negative <laughs> yeah, come yeah, out yeah. and hit it out of those. Lessons. I all we him. saw, we were like, bro, <laughs> what, what are you doing? This is the worst parts of Kobe that we hated, that we loved, that Laker fans hated. But now, man, it, he has such a killer mentality that like in that fourth quarter, once once that fourth quarter started. You knew he was about to take over. You could see it in his eyes, man. He hit that first three. Because, uh, what was he, one of, he was like one of six, one of seven going into yeah, that fourth quarter from three. Yeah. And and he just lit fire, man. And that's when you know someone is special. We already talked about Giannis. He was special because he's making an impact on the game other than scoring. That's what Tatum was doing up to that point. But then he started scoring. And he's just so good. I can't remember another basketball player that i've that have like had googly eyes for for this long than jason tatum man i just love the way he plays the game and i love his, his quiet confidence that he has about him it, he was talking into the in the post-game interview and he was saying you know like it's not always about scoring you need to come out as a star on your team and make an impact on the game you need to leave your mark on every single playoff game if you're going to be a superstar in this league and to hear him come out and say that and not come out and saying you know i, I needed to get my shots up i needed to do this i need this dude just wants to make impacts on the basketball game and make sure his team wins and he knows how important he is to this team man um and you see it in that fourth quarter because he just took that game over, bro. He yeah, took, he, did. he finished oh. him off. He finished yeah. him off. He came in and he swung, swung the final axe. I'll also say that the pendulum has swung when he does shoot, even if he's having a bad shooting night. If it's a good look, I still want him to take it. There's mm -hmm. no red light on Jason Tatum anymore. You know, like there's there's certain players where I'm like, you you know, I'll just be like, you need to stop fucking shooting. Like it happens with Marcus Smart sometimes. It definitely ha happens with Daniel Tice after like one shot. It, it sometimes sometimes it happens with Jalen Brown uh, because he can just be really off. And, and I haven't seen him correct that with volume before. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, someone can correct yeah, me, right. but I, you You're know, right. I, I, I just have correct. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't I haven't seen that happen. What what we've now seen a couple of times and very officially in the in that game forward against the Bucks, which is and it's something we should always remember. Um, he shot him. He shot himself out of a fucking bunker you know what i mean like the he was in the bunker the germans were throwing fucking grenades in there and he had to get the fuck out of there and he wasn't fucking surrendering because he knew they were going to shoot him anyway so he shot his way out he shot his way out of the bunker and i don't hate it you know because the shots fell so like you can't really argue with results all right we got a couple of minutes left here and i think uh it's only fitting to finish with my mvp my star of the game uh, uh hopefully yours too because it was just like the greatest thing ever 
Uh, we talked about, you know, sort of a little bit about um, him from the Giannis perspective, but Al Horford with that My joke, God, bro. YMCA old man, not so sure if he's got any game, but then we start to play and every time you try to guard him, it hurts. And every time he guards you, it hurts. And his shots drop when you did his shots ugly, but their shots are dropping. He had 30 points against Giannis who was guarding him. He was guarding Giannis who was in their one-on-one. We talked about the mentality of it. I fucking love Al Horford. I, lo- I love him with all my heart. Uh, I-, I wanted to move into my house and, and uh, I'll cook him dinner every night. I, I just, uh, he can, he can have a percentage of my retirement plan. Like I, I, I would give anything, the shirt off my back to Al Horford at this point after that went, what, how did that feel? How, let's start with me talking about uh, his three point shooting and how fucking efficient he is from out there. And then uh, let me know what you thought of his game overall. Yeah, man. So I, I just want to bring everyone back in time to this offseason when we traded fucking a shell of Kemba Walker straight up for Al Horford. And Al Horford is now the most important player on this team. So I, I just want I want to shout out and give Brad credit for that because listen, we we fleeced who who did we trade him to? I think it was the Thunder, right, bro? Al Horford is the most important player on this team right now, and everyone knows it. Everyone on that Celtics team knows that if if Al is there, we're gonna show up and have the fire and have the fight, man. In that second half, so I have it up here. He played twenty three minutes. He was 7 of 10 from the field and 3 of 5 from 3 for a plus 14. That is, I don't remember the ones he missed. Un- <laughs> I just remember the ones that went in. Unbelievable, man. The biggest thing with Al is that he didn't... I, I really feel like it was the turning point. When Giannis dunked on him and Al doesn't not give up. He doesn't back down whatsoever. Giannis is staring do that right at him, bro. You don't do that to an old head like Al, though. You know, like, you know, like he's a fucking veteran. And he's always been a dog. So that's like, the do best do? vet Marcus has ever had, is what he said. Best vet yeah. I've ever had. For <laughs> his exact words. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was so, it was like magical. You know what I mean? Like that game will be known forever as the Al Horford game. That's what that game is. And he's just so big for this team, man. Like it's crazy that it's gone from a guy who could barely stay on the court with the Sixers to a guy who was about to get bought out by the Thunder. Remember, he sat out the end of last season, the last, like, 30 games, washed up. You know, he's done. It's this, it's that, you know. Working. He's 35, and he's a big man. You right. It, I mean? it's so, it's nothing, nothing to be ashamed of. You're a 35-year-old big man. Most 35-year-old big, big men have been turned into fucking ashtrays and glue at the fucking scrapyard by this point, you know? But not even fucking close. Not even. It's a different it, game. Bro, too. it's just, like, so crazy. It's, I've never had, I remember Al's first stint with us, right? He would spot up from three and every time, if he wasn't wide open, you were like, oh, God damn it. What are you doing, bro? Stop, please, please stop shooting contested threes. This past game, man, I wanted the ball. You said it. You said it in the discord. Green light, Al. Al has the green light. God damn Anytime right. he wants to shoot, he could fucking shoot in that game. The two biggest plays of that fourth quarter were Al Horford, uh, obviously yamming on Giannis and getting the N1, right? Giving him that side bow. You know, the, <laughs> little great poupon. Yeah, the little great poupon on <laughs> the sides. Uh, the corner three to take that first lead in the fourth quarter, man. And, and it all was coming around out. That, 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 that one add one. Remember that one and one? 
where like he got like he got swatted on the falling back and he falling back. Yeah, on on Lopez, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't say enough about Al in that game, man. He he made the defense go uh, by shutting down, quote unquote, shutting down Giannis. Uh, and but like and, we said, in a, in a sort of intangible way, right? You yeah. know, in 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 a sort of uh, in the way maybe you know maybe mentally but maybe not maybe not on the on the box score but like whatever we won the fucking game yeah i can't say enough good things about big al we talked a lot about him in the honest stuff he's fucking unbelievable obviously we love having him and also you know credit to him because he he looked goosed when grant williams picked up his fourth foul he looked fucking goosed and then he may had to be like you gotta go back out there and he was like cool and he just went out and he just he had a great game you know, like, cry, he was crying in the locker room after. That's you know, how much he, just, he put it all on the table, man. He put it bro, all on the, the table. It, it was a must-win game. It was a must-win game. Al Horford, perennial quote-unquote winner, uh, a guy who does everything right. He does. He he played maximum effort every single night. That's literally why the Thunder sat him last year because they're like, bro, you're too fucking good. Stop putting in so much effort. We need to lose these games. And he doesn't have an NBA championship. You know what it is? So. He wants this so bad. Emmy knows he wants it so bad. And, and I feel like that's why, like, once he got going and he saw that fire in Al's eye, I think he was like, Al, this is your fucking game, man. This is your game. It's time for you to he go left him and on take this over. Conventional wisdom in the Van Gundys would have you believe that Grant Williams should have gone out there even in foul trouble and stayed on Giannis. But nah, you got to let Al play. You got to let him play. Can I say something about Van Gundy real quick? I no, please. never... I've never agreed with what he's saying more than what he's saying in, in this series specifically. Uh, he uh, hasn't been so, so bad, but uh, still from time to time, I'm like... Yeah. I just love that he's trying to... Because I, I got to spend a couple minutes ranting about Giannis too because I love that he's all about getting that charge on fucking Giannis because that is the most bullshit... Listen, it's such bullshit that this dude can come into our fucking paint. We have ourselves set every fucking time and he just... Bowls us over. All the and charge the calls. All the charge calls have gone their way too. Even the re- the review that they like didn't I, overturn it. It's like I witnessed that exact same thing happen. It's like if our feet are moving at all, even if we've gotten to, you know give them time to get into the position, you got to like not be in their landings or whatever. It's just not consistent. Like the refs. Like I hate talking about the refs. I don't want to blame them. I want to win despite them, but they have just not been consistent, man. And it is a charge. And honestly, I wouldn't even be so mad if they just called it for our superstar back in the other direction. But the, the shit that Tatum does, because Tatum pushes off, like I know he pushes off, it's undeniable that he pushes off. But don't call that if you're going to not call Giannis's charges or call both of them. That's all I ask. I just ask for consistency. Yeah, agreed. 100% agreed, man. And and that's not what we're getting. But what's blowing my mind, right? And I feel like this Al thing turned my mindset on it because I like Giannis coming into this series, man. I can't stand him right now. The way that he is getting the calls, he's getting babied by the refs. But then when he does get a clear foul call, he's turning around and, and bitching about it. Like, bro, I, what, what is, who, who are you, you thing? Who are you to bitch about any of this Did shit? You hear him after game three? Oh, how much does it cost to get fined? If, you know, I can't. I shouldn't say anything about the refs. I'm like, you I should need to buy diapers, bro. They were in your fucking pocket. The entire unbelievable, game. unbelievable. And 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 the Marcus thing where they're tangled up and Marcus goes to help him up and he doesn't get bro. I, I, I like I just, Marcus just fucking shaking him off. Yeah, he's like, fuck <laughs> you, bro. We're fine. Yeah. He seems like such a little bitch to me lately. And the playoffs will make you hate anyone, Bobby. <laughs> it, will. it will. It will. I never loved him that much, to be honest with you. I, I think you know where I stand on 
non-Celtics. It, it's got nothing to do with how fucking bubbly your personality is or how good you are in that Sprite commercial. I like ballers. It's, but, you know, it's why we sometimes butt heads with the other guys on the show about my feelings about the Kyrie Irvings and the Kevin Durant's of the world. Yeah, they're annoying on Twitter or like you know, they, they say they say stupid shit in press conferences, but I like watching the game of basketball. I'm not really to me. This isn't football. You know, this isn't really about the off season and, you know, all the shit that's going on. And did they tape the practices? I just like watching the games. And, and when I watch the games, Kevin Durant's a fucking beast. Uh, I love his game. When I watch the games, Kyrie Irving's a fucking beast. I love his game. LeBron James, I never liked his game that much. <laughs> you know, like I, get, I could objectively say it's fantastic. I could objectively say he's the best player in the world for a long, long time. But I don't know. It just wasn't like, eh, this is not my thing. It's just not what I enjoy watching. And I get that he like was shitting on my team with that game for a long period of it. But it, it just wasn't the kind of game that I like enjoyed. And I like when he developed a post game after Dirk embarrassed him in the finals. Like I liked that. Like I respected that. Giannis to me, it's like he's a hard worker, right? I, you can't take that away from him. He tries for the entire game. He works hard. He has freakish technical ability for his size and, and his athleticism. I think that he has levels to go. I, I think that he there's two or three more things he can add to his game, like the jump shots he inexplicably <laughs> takes that never go in. And there's two or three more things that, that he can add to his game that would make him clearly the best player in basketball. And He might already be. He might. He might. I mean, it's a little bit more arguable now, thankfully, for, for the discourse purposes, now that LeBron has kind of like lost a step finally. And, you know, there's a lot of good players in there and it's positional and stuff like that. But I, I think there's more to come from him. So like him or not, I hate him in the context of this series. I, I still think he's got so he's got he, he like he, he can he can go so much higher than he's already at. And he's already at such a high place. And I just I like watching that. So I'm never going to hate him for that reason. You know, it's funny. I hate the Bucks, it, though. I hate the way they fucking constituted that team. I, the way they built the team. I'm like, I like Drew Holiday. I basically hate everybody else on that team. I hate how Chris Middleton plays. Like, I hate that. Like, I hate Brooke Lopez. I've always fucking hated Brooke Lopez. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Go ahead. No, it's funny that you compare him to LeBron because I don't know. Not have, necessarily comparing him to LeBron. Well, no, no, no. I, I mean, his game, though, is it, it's what it's it's, it's being it's, freakishly it's, more athletic. It's, it's than very yeah. right. It's very reminiscent of LeBron yeah. and then without, like without the killer developed. jumper. Right. Without yeah. that killer jumper. Yeah, that's what it is. And it's just. Listen, I don't know. Coming into the season, it just seemed like everything this dude said, everything he did, the way he represented himself, the way he played basketball, he was a champ. like it was, it was, it was, it was all about you know the the right way of playing and putting maximum effort, not being a little bitch. And I just feel like I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because he won a championship and got a little big, or maybe it's just because we're in a heated fucking playoff series with him. But it kind of just seems like he's turned into a little bitch to me. I think it is that we're in a heated playoffs series be. with him, to be honest with you. Be. I think that series looks, it looks like you're going into a foxhole. It, it, doesn't look fun, it doesn't look fun to be in that series right now. Everybody's playing their asses off. A little shout out to our championship DNA podcast. This series reminds me a lot of 2007-2008 basketball, man. It seems like the first so, so many perfect range jump shots. It's crazy. <laughs> it is great, but it, it just feels like 2010 all over again. First to 110 wins, and you don't see that in today's NBA, and it's just crazy. Yeah, no, you made that point on the Discord, and I think yeah, I was thinking about that as well as I was watching it. And I, I, I might be why I'm enjoying it so much, to be quite honest with you. But uh, and yeah, it's not nobody's living or dying by the three three point three point shots are a factor for sure in this game, but it's not like. 
oh, the Celtics have missed their first six three-pointers. Well, they're only down four. You know what I mean? It's sort of like that situation as opposed to if we do, I'm not saying we will, knock on wood, but if we do get to the finals and we play a Western Conference team, I think whatever that Western Conference team is, we're going to have a new problem to figure out as far as perimeter shooting goes. Gonna be just between. Probably. probably. It's probably going to I mean, I know the Suns won a fuck ton of games, but the Warriors kind of look like the Warriors again. Anyway, whatever. So, That's going to be a killer series. I can't yeah, wait to, I I can't wait to talk I'd, about I'd, that. I'd, yeah. I'd take the Grizzlies. I'd take the Warriors. I would actually, I would probably take the fucking Suns. I feel like the East is actually harder than people are giving it credit for. We're going to have to walk through a fucking gauntlet if we want to get to the finals. I'd much rather see the Sixers in the next series than than the Heat just on matchups, but that's a problem for another day we gotta we gotta we we gotta get through this slog of a series so yeah i mean that'll do it um looking forward to game five yeah what predictions predictions uh dude this is an emotionally taxing series i don't even know if i can have a prediction here i think it has to go to seven it's just this is a series that has has go to seven games written all over it and i think you made a very good point in the discord uh we took home court back so i I'm, i'm not i'm not terribly stressed about it going to seven but they've proven they can win in boston and mike makes the point about the referees being terrible in this series i hate the fact that that they were clearly responding to the media comments the referees the mandate should be whatever they say just fucking don't referee context referee the game don't referee what they're saying don't react to what they're saying in the media don't look at it don't listen to it just referee the game by the rules of the game please that's all i'm asking for You, you don't need to be like oh we heard what you guys said in the media Going to get an extra couple of cuts. The basketballs are worse for that. But predictions is oh, definitely going to seven. And if it goes to seven, we'll have home court. So I'm saying season seven. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree with that season seven. But listen, I can tell you one thing. If she's come out and win game five, the extender himself, Mr. Scott Foster, will be the referee for game six. I don't know if 100%. they've already, have they already, but oh, 100% Scott 100%. Foster's ref in game six. Bro, I just don't see the Celtics losing at home in a game seven situation. Like we've seen when the Celtics play their game. I said it coming into this game and I was very close to being right. Um, They win. They win by a considerable amount and they, they won by eight last night. So I know it was a tough road to get there, but they didn't end up winning by eight. So I just feel like in a game seven situation where it's do or die, win or go home, there's no way that this team with the dog in them, the fight in them, that they lose that game. I would love it. I would love it if Mike's right. And, and and they close us out in six. You, you, can't, you can't possibly convince me we're winning this in six. Me, me that's happening. It's just, yeah. I would love it, but you can't convince me of it. What I will say, though, is game four, if game four is a microcosm for the entire series and it's a who blinks first situation, who wants it more, who blinks first in this series, I think we've proven that we can. We have a little bit of a of deeper to dig, if that makes sense. We can dig a little bit deeper than these guys. And uh, and and we, we might if Game Four is any indication in the because it was in Milwaukee, and and they're a pretty good crowd over there, and we had to dig deep and we did, and I think if that's any indication, I think yeah, I'd be very confident going uh, going to Boston with these fuckers. But bro, you ever been to a Game Seven in Boston? Yeah. That shit is electric. Oh yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's it's the best it's the best sporting event environment I've ever. It's where it's definitely where I'd want to be want to be in a winner go home situation. It's also why I I wouldn't be thrilled about the Suns. <laughs> uh, it's crazy the out Suns there too, or the, or the Heat. You know, like there's well, just the home court thing. You know, just on oh, records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but there's a chance that like all the better records maybe still get knocked out. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, Listen, the Bucks gave us home court too. That's what I fucked. They had it. Is they handed it to us. They, they had said, it. No, 
we don't want it, guys. We don't want it. And, so, yeah, like, and, I, and also, I'm, I'm actually I'm glad in retrospect. I mean, I would have taken it either way, but I'm glad in retrospect we won game four, not game three, because then we have the momentum going back into Boston. Because mm-hmm. then there's a world where we take them back to Boston and we smack them. You know, like we beat them bad like game two, maybe. And like then all of a sudden the series looks different. Then all of a sudden I'm maybe going, maybe we go back to Milwaukee game six and close this bitch out. You know what I mean? Like we fucked them up in the next game. Like I think it could be possible. But yeah, I think that'll do it uh, for uh, for missing the point. Myself, DK Sizzle, uh, the real BK Bob Kelly. I thought that was a great show. I thought we talked about all of our uh, big performers. And I hope that we're as happy and optimistic as we were in this show the next time we talk. So until then, uh, keep it green, everybody. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interviews. Electric acid.